Lesson one, basic hip. Welcome to the Jazz Session. I'm Jason Crane. The Jazz Session is presented by AllAboutJazz.com, the web's leading source for jazz news, reviews, MP3 downloads, and more. Every episode of the show is available for free at thejazzsession.com. You'll also find links there to subscribe to the show in iTunes or using an RSS reader. And you'll also find both a uh, Twitter and Facebook page for the Jazz Session. And I encourage you to follow the show that way, too. This show is sponsored by Matt Rock, the first official sponsor. And he became that official sponsor by joining at the highest membership level. Super easy. And even if you can't afford to do that, you can certainly join at the introductory level of $10 a month. Or if you want to pay for it in one lump sum, $110 a year. And I need 100 members by the 300th show. And this is show 290, which means the clock is really counting down. The 300th show is on August 11th. And if you're listening to this in real time, today is July 7th. I have 59 members, which means I need 41 more. But 59 is a big jump from where the show was even two weeks ago. The uh, The pace of memberships has really increased, which is wonderful. I'm super, super excited about that. And I want to thank some folks who became members recently. Uh, Stephen Jorg, Edward Linden, James Osborne, Jill Knapp, Tim Betts, and Craig Thompson, also an anonymous listener from London, all became members uh, in the last week. And that is wonderful. The show is definitely, definitely looking a lot more like it might continue than it did uh, even two weeks ago. But we're still 41 members away. So in order to make this thing a reality for show 301 and beyond, I need you to jump on board. Also, if you're listening to this in real time and you are in New York City this weekend, on July 10th, I am hosting a live taping of the jazz session at the Downtown Music Gallery featuring two very special performers, Kyoko Kitamura, who's a vocalist, and Jen Baker, who's a trombonist. And they are just fantastic together. I saw them uh, at the Downtown Music Gallery a couple of months back and was just super impressed by the way they sounded together. So that is July 10th at 7 p.m. It's free. It's the Downtown Music Gallery. And you can find out more by going to thejazzsession.com, and there's an event listing there for it. But uh, please, if you're in town, uh, come on by. It's cool. It's the first time... Uh, the first time we've ever taped kind of a, a traditional start-to-finish show in front of a live audience. Uh, I've taped some of them at jazz festivals and that kind of thing, but this is the first kind of sit-down with a crowd. So there'll be both an interview and live performances, and I hope you'll come check that out. Today's guest is the pianist Chris Davis. To be honest, you know, there's just too many musicians in New York to know everybody, and I had never really heard of Chris until I saw her with uh, the singer Andrea Wolper, and I was just so impressed by Chris's playing, and I didn't even know who she was while she was playing, <laughs> I asked after the fact, uh, and then just started looking around to see what she was up to, and noticed immediately that she was constantly in the company of other musicians who I consider, you know, among the kind of cream of the adventurous crop here in New York. I pretty soon discovered uh, Chris's album, Paradoxical Frog, with Ingrid Labrock on saxophone and Taishan Sori on drums, and I've had a couple chances to see them now, including a performance at the Vision Festival that really just brought the house down. It was fabulous. And Chris also has uh, an entirely different kind of album called Good Citizen, which features Johnny Bear on bass and Tom Rainey on drums. We'll hear music from both those records uh, throughout the show today, starting with uh, an excerpt from Paradoxical Frog.
My guest is composer and pianist Chris Davis. She has two uh, recent records, one on Fresh Sound called Good Citizen, which features uh, Johnny Bear and Tom Rainey, and the other with her band Paradoxical Frog on Clean Feed, which features Ingrid Lulbrock and Tyshawn Sori. And it's great to have you on the show. Thanks for being here. Thanks for having me. So uh, I saw you recently at uh, the Vision Festival, and one thing that really uh, impresses me about you're playing, and you can tell me whether I'm wildly off here, but you seem really comfortable with open space, with like not needing to fill every silence and yeah. i think that band with tyshawn and ingrid really brings that out is that a fair statement you think? yeah i would say so i think i felt more comfortable with it when we started playing together and started playing some of tyshawn's music which is composed for you know those large open spaces right so, um when we started playing those pieces i think we started improvising in that way and as well and started to feel more comfortable doing that and you know we went on a tour and and as we went through each concert, more and more space <laughs> was <Right>. part of <laughs> part of the set. So there were moments where we'd, you know, have like four or five minutes of silence just sitting there and then play, you know, a few, a little section or notes and then stop and then, you know, these huge silences. And it really became part of the the improvisation and, and the composition. So Yeah, I saw this quote yesterday. I wish I could remember who it was by, but uh, that said, silence also swings. And I thought that was really really cool and i'm not sure if it's profound or not but it it emphasized for me the fact that in those moments where there are long silences i think it tends to heighten what follows right definitely yeah yeah, yeah definitely um yeah i think like i remember you know those concerts and feeling like the space was louder than what we were playing in a mm. way so that was that was a it was a new experience for me cuz i hadn't really really gone through that before um but, you know, I, I think we're all really influenced by Morton Feldman as well in some way in our compositions and improvisation. Can you tell people who that is who might not know? Oh, a uh, classical composer, Morton Feldman. And uh, he, he writes a lot of kind of minimalist, um, minimal meaning, <laughs> very, you know, simple sounds and sure. with these huge spaces. So, 
um, and a lot, a lot of repetitive things. And so I think we're all somewhat re- influenced by him in some way. How do you judge, you know, when the when the three of you are sitting there on stage, and as you mentioned, there'd be these minutes of silence. Mm-hmm. How, how do you know when the silence, when it feels like it should end? Is it is it just something you kind of feel inside you? Like, okay, now I think it's time for me to say something. Yeah, I would I would say so. I mean, I think... I'm not totally sure because I'm just going through the process right now of figuring that out. Sure. Figuring out when it feels right, when it's too long, when it's, you know, not long enough. Um, so, yeah, that's a, that's a hard question to answer. Yeah, yeah. I, <laughs> yeah. I guess that's a pretty... It's also just what you feel in the moment and, you know, what you had for breakfast that day. <laughs> right, right. <laughs> it's going to influence that. So. <laughs> Fair enough. <laughs> and is that something that, uh, that you and Ingrid and Tyshawn discuss, like how to leave space in the music, or is it something that doesn't need to be talked about? No, we never discuss that mm. ever. So um, it, just, it just kind of evolved that way out of the compositions. And the compositions sort of started us in that process, um, but we never actually talked about improvising that way or anything. And we found that as we were playing the set of, of the music from the last record, that each concert was really, really different, the way we interpret the pieces, and down to the point where we just would play some of the, the ideas to go through the concert, you know, so... So in that way, the record itself becomes almost like a snapshot of one performance of that music, not the fixed exactly, yeah. identity. Yep, definitely, yeah. That's cool. Can you talk about how Matt Maneri, uh, who guested with you at the Vision, how he ended up in that mix? Um, he he guested with us. He was a special guest uh, at the or is that the Stone? I guess a couple of years ago. Okay. Um, also with Thomas Morgan, and we um, we just we had a really good time at that concert. And again, I remember. Matt actually was like running from a gig so he showed up and you know like 10 minutes late and then he was really stressed of course and so right. we started playing and then he left right after so I didn't even meet him then that was the first time I played with him and <laughs> so I remember seeing him a couple you know a couple months ago and saying like oh yeah we're playing coming up he's like who are you <laughs> I said remember we played oh yeah <laughs> so it was funny like but the but the music was amazing. I remember all of us were just so excited about about what was going on, and also it was very spacious, and we were all very. Everyone was very giving about that, about the space and the time, and you know, interacting and just leaving leaving space for everyone to kind of interact with each other in some way. It seems like it could be a real challenge when you have three people who have a pretty good rapport on stage and then someone else comes in who literally runs in the door, plays, has no time to rehearse or talk about what the music is like. Right. But it sounds like it it worked out. What do you attribute yeah, that to? Yeah, yeah. I mean, we, we improvised. We didn't play any compositions. Okay. And, um, yeah, it was just, it was like we'd been playing together for 
you know, for years. So it's a really cool feeling when that happens. And I think when Tyshawn and Ingrid and I started playing together, we also felt that way. Just, you know, the first two hours of playing together, it was like, oh, this, we really need to check this out and see where this could go. So how did the three of you end up together? We, I had played with Tyshawn with another saxophonist. Um, and we said, oh, you know, we should get together and play. And then Ingrid had just moved to town. So we were I kind of invited her to come over and, and uh, we just played a session and um, we improvised the whole time and then we just decided that you know we there was something like-minded about <laughs> the way we felt about music and the way we played. It's really interesting listening uh, to these two records together, uh, Good Citizen and the Paradoxical Frog album, because they feel like very different sides of you. The band with Johnny Bear and Tom Rainey is not really right. that kind of like super open space band. It's, it sounds much more like the way you sounded the first time I saw you, when there was much more of an exploration of the sound in that moment, rather than leaving all these spaces. Right. Right. Uh, can you talk about that trio? Um, I think I was trying to do almost like a concept record and I was trying to make like a, some, I don't know, maybe like a pop record or not not a pop record, but just really short compositions, like a really kind of concise idea and uh, little snippets of improvisation and mixed with the composition. So I think that was like, it's almost the extreme opposite of the paradoxical frog record. Right. Yeah, there's there's a lot. It's it's much more condensed. There's a lot of things going on and it happens in a very short amount of time. Does that, uh, this is probably a stupid question, but so I'll just say, I imagine that forces you to develop things like solo ideas in a totally different Right, way, definitely. Right? Yeah, definitely. You have to think much faster, in a way. Right. <laughs> <laughs> um, at least I find myself, you know, when I do a concert with Ingrid and Taishan, and then I do a concert with the trio with John and Tom, it's, it's like a, 
yeah, it's really throwing yourself into different waters there. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, so, um, but I like the contrast of it. It makes it, you know, makes it interesting. And do you find that uh, things from each band influence the way you play in the other? Uh, yeah, definitely. I mean, I, I'm still me, you know, in, in both of the settings. Sure. So, um, but... I think uh, sometimes when I'm playing with Taishan and Ingrid, I have more time to think and kind of process what's going on because things are slower. And with Tom and John, it's just more reacting, trying to like find different ways to float over each other and and use the use the material. And um, yeah, so it's just I guess I just feel that it's very different because I it's I have to think faster. Right. <laughs> yeah. It's always interesting to me when people play adventurous music because uh, at least judging by my own childhood it was very hard to hear that kind of music growing mm -hmm. up i mean i went through a school music program and you know you just never i never heard anything that was like that until i was probably in my late teens and some friends introduced me to stuff and so when i hear people you know like you or like anyone who's involved in these groups who play adventurous music i always wonder well how did you what was your intro to that kind right, of music right right yeah um well, i grew up in calgary in canada and uh there's there's a small music scene there, supportive music scene, and um, I guess growing up I didn't really, no one in my family really plays music or anything, so I started playing piano when I was six. I was really excited about that because right. you know there weren't really any instruments in my house, so it seemed very foreign to me. It seemed like you know, well, this is going to be very cool. And why did you start playing piano? Did your parents think it was a good idea, or did you want to do it? No, I just it? thought of it. Okay. <laughs> I just thought, yeah, that That's would cool. be cool. <laughs> like rock climbing or something, right. you know? <laughs> it was like very foreign to, to what, what I've been growing up with so sure, far. Yeah. So, um, so I started playing piano, and, and I always really liked it. I played classical music, and I think there was only one time when I really wanted to quit and, you know, my mom was like, oh, you got to make it to the end of the summer, you know, and then, right. <laughs> then you can quit, you know, and by the time I made it to the end of the summer, I was, I was all right. Yeah. <laughs> I liked it again. So that was the only time I, I really felt that I didn't want to do it anymore. But, um, so I played classical music and that was really, I don't know, my, my introduction into this kind of music in a way. I never really listened to classical music okay. and mostly listened to the radio and pop music, Stevie sure. Wonder and, you know, Michael Jackson. And, um, and then when I was in school, I joined the jazz band and, and my teacher was really into jazz and Miles Davis and Herbie Hancock and different people. So he gave, gave me some CDs and we played some of that music and I just got really into it. I really thought it was cool. And I liked the fact that, you know, when I was playing classical music, I was always by myself and it was a good outlet to, you know, deal with being by myself sometimes. Sure. But um, when I was playing jazz, I got to play with other people and I really liked that social part of it and, you know, trying to work on things together and so I kind of kept following following with that and um, playing with smaller groups and finding other musicians in school that were really into playing. And um, we would get together and have jam sessions every weekend and work on jazz standards and things. So so I did actually get to play a lot when I was in high school and junior high. And this was sounds like it was all pretty self-directed? Yeah, you guys pretty much. you decided, yep. let's do it? Yeah, yep. we just got everything was self-directed. That's so. great. Yeah, and then um, I guess, you know, I kind of remember like since the eighth grade i wanted to be a jazz musician so <laughs> that's i've kind of just kept following that the whole time um i uh i finished high school and then i moved to toronto to go to um university of toronto to study jazz piano performance so that's right. what i did there and i went to banff twice and um 
I guess that was my the second time I went was when uh, Kenny Warner was running it and okay. um, Tony Malaby and Dave Ballou, um were were teaching there. A bunch of other people that um, I play with now, um, they were my teachers there. So that was my first introduction into playing improvised music or checking it out, and it was really bizarre. <laughs> right. <laughs> I didn't really know you know what was going on. I had never just you know improvised and that was it like where does where do I where does it come from like what am I supposed yeah. to you know react to or do and so it took me that was that was the introduction and then uh, I moved to New York two years later and and started playing with some of the, those people um, that I had been studying with and some other musicians that I had met sure as well and so Banff was my, really my chance to to meet people from New York and you know, come here and kind of have a little bit of a, a foot in the door just in terms of meeting people. I think uh, a lot of people do it through going to school or something. And um, I didn't really want to do that. So I just, you know, it was a good opportunity right. <laughs> to start um, to start the process of living in New York and, and everything. So to go back to that, that first experience playing just freely improvised music, can you remember at all what it was like in that moment where someone said, okay, go? Yeah, it just I just felt I felt like I it was speaking another language that I didn't know. <laughs> yeah. Or trying to, you know, understand it and figure it out, but I really felt I really felt confused by it and, you know, scared of it in a way and and really and challenged and um and you know, every, a lot of the other players there were were already from New York who had been doing it, so they seemed very comfortable and I just uh yeah, I really struggled, but um Tony Malaby, who's now, you know, one of my best friends in New York, and um, we play a lot together. He he was really super supportive of me and, and um, you know, kind of helped directed me when I was there and just giving me some ideas and, you know, different things to think about. And um, so I think that was a huge part of actually just feeling comfortable to, to keep trying to play this kind of music. And we use the word free a lot with music like that. And of course, right. no music is actually free. It's made up of everything that you've experienced. Right. Do you feel like over time you've uh, you've developed not only a language of your own, but a language in common with other people that you Yeah, definitely. With? Yeah, definitely. Yep. Does that help you? Uh, like when you've played with Tony a gazillion times, do you, are you able to now kind of intuit where the other person might go with any given moment or is that not quite how it works um yeah i mean once you know someone's playing you can kind of have an idea of how you might want to react to them that's mm. kind of the the process for me at least of figuring out or playing with people for a long time which is, is actually really really important to me that i have those connections with with musicians and know kind of how we 
react to each other and then you know once we know how we react in a certain way trying to not react in that way and just always trying to like push those those ideas and um so yeah that's interesting so there's times when you try to to kind of force yourself out of that comfort zone or that normal reaction right exactly yeah and i'm always doing that with with people that i play with regularly you know we have some sort of musical rapport with i you know you start to realize oh you know maybe i get into this when this person plays this way and so now i'm just not going to do that i'm going to try to do the opposite you know try to find a different way to 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 deal and react and i think that makes it fun and and makes it hopefully a a long-lasting relationship because i think everybody's trying to do that in some way and is that thought process happening while you're playing or is that something you think about before you begin playing how does that work Mm, that's something that uh, it's happening while i'm playing yeah but almost faster probably you're not actually thinking the sentence like okay now i will react differently you're just kind of yeah it happens that fast (laughs) right like i would say okay if i you know say i was not playing for for a moment and then you know i was going to come in with something that i felt like was the right thing and then i'd stop myself and say wait let's wait for the next idea to come you know sure and try to react on that are there any techniques that you use or improv games or anything like that to kind of push yourself or you and your companions out of those areas that you're comfortable in? Um, I have done that in the past with different bands, um, but I don't think, like, I don't really work on that with anybody specifically anymore. talk about some of the projects that you've been involved with recently it seems like everywhere i go there you are (laughs) (laughs) Uh, well that's good um yeah yeah, i'm well i'm doing the the trio with tyshawn and ingrid and um we're doing some traveling coming up we're playing at the vancouver jazz festival in in seattle and and we go to um, play in willisau in switzerland at the end of august um and when is vancouver that's uh july the third okay cool yep and um and then we're making another record at the end of the summer so that'll be yeah so all the music that we're performing in the next we're also playing at the undead jazz festival next week and that's all new music that we're planning to record um which was also at the vision festival we played those pieces (laughs) you know which again matt was like oh we're playing compositions all right yeah and the (laughs) scores were like 97 pages taped together i could see on his stand it'd be like hanging down to the floor on both sides right right (laughs) Yeah, it was really funny because half of the one of my compositions, the first half is like kind of complicated rhythmic stuff that, you know, took us a while to, to get together. And then right. the second half is just like these whole notes with these kind of like freer chords over top. And Matt was like, oh, I'm like the, 
I'm, I've got the dunce cap on it. I come in with the whole notes, you know. I'll let you guys play all the like hard rhythm and stuff. And <laughs> it wasn't really fair of me. I should have given him the music, but he was amazing. He actually played all the written, the hard written material, like in the moment. You yeah, know, without... no one would have been able to tell. Yeah, it was. He had never. Yeah, it was <laughs> been great. doing that before that moment. Yeah. yeah, he's amazing. Yeah, it was awesome. Um, so yeah, so there's that trio, and then, um. We've got the um, novella, Tony Malaby's group with a, I think it's a nonet or a tentet, <laughs> uh, which I arranged all the music for. So oh, cool. we just uh, recorded that music and it's coming out on Clean Feed in September and um, hopefully be doing some touring. And Is that the kind of thing you'd done before, arranging for a band like that or was it a uh, new no, experience? I, I've never done that actually. I, I just finished um, doing my master's degree in classical composition and at the time I was taking some arranging classes and conducting and things. So it just kind of happened that, you know, Tony kind of mentioned it and we kind of thought, well, this would be cool, you know, to try. And yeah. uh, I felt like kind of went along with what I was studying at the moment. So I was really excited to try and see if I could, if I could do it. And, um, plus I know Tony's music really well, so I felt comfortable. And I think he felt comfortable having me work on it. And, um, what was it like to work through that process of arranging? The music? Um, it was really fun because <laughs> it was, <laughs> you know, I didn't have to come up with the original idea. Right. So it was there, <clears throat> excuse me. And then, um, I just, I started, just trying to figure out how I was going to make all these horns play together. And, you know, the horns were maybe a different config configuration than, um, like a big band or something. It's sure. like mostly low instruments, a few like, you know, higher instruments. But, um, so I don't know. I just felt really comfortable trying to try to make that work. I think I feel comfortable <laughs> in those situations. Yeah. Um, and I just, I brought it into a rehearsal and, you know, I, I ended up writing like quite a bit more than what was actually originally there, which I guess is part of the process of arranging. Yeah. So, um, you know, I'd say like half, half of the things that are kind of happening are things that I kind of added on or written, you know, with, uh, to the music. So, yeah. So we started playing together and rehearsing the music and it was, it just kind of all worked and, and, uh, and Tony and I were, we, we worked really well together in terms of directing the band, how we wanted things to change or, you know, not change. And, yeah. and, uh, it's just, it's been a really fun project. So that's, uh, yeah, that's coming out in September. Yeah. It seems like an arranger can have an enormous impact. I mean, the, of course the composer comes up with the original musical ideas, but then it's, it's your work. That's what causes it to be expressed right. by the musicians. Definitely. Yeah. But then, but then there's another step of the musicians interpreting it. So right. it's, it's an interesting place to be, you know, an arranger because, then when you give it to the musicians, you know, everybody kind of deals with it the way they want to deal with it. And it's different every concert again. And, you know, certain things come out, certain, certain people, you know, take over things. It's just, it's cool how it just evolves. It's like you're another step in the process of, of seeing it through. And is it, is it through composed music with improvisation sprinkled throughout or is that, what's the kind of structure if that's, if you can reduce yeah, it? Yeah, mm -hmm. I think more, it's more through composed with some improvisation Okay, yeah, throughout the pieces. So. And as you were arranging, were you kind of saying to Tony, okay, here's what I'm hearing this music doing and he was feeding back on it? Or? Uh, not really, because I, I just brought in the charts, you know, I, th I think he was expecting that maybe I was going to just do some sketches and things and, right. you know, I brought in again like these huge like finale <laughs> charts, like seven, ten page charts or whatever. <laughs> <laughs> and it just it it ended up working out really well. I mean, it was more specific than I thought than he thought I was going to be, but I think it I think it worked and he was really happy about it. 
I noticed, uh, going back to this idea of different projects, that on your concert calendar there are a number of, of duo performances upcoming. Right. Is that a setting in which you particularly enjoy playing? I haven't really explored that much duo playing, so I'm kind of excited about doing that. And um, some of those things, you know, people ask me about that. So um, I'm playing a duo concert with Tim Byrne, and we're playing most of well we're kind of playing both of our music um but i've been working on his his music for a couple weeks now and just been really fun it's like piano etudes or something right so um yeah that's coming up and um i also have a solo record coming out in september as well on clean feed so that was that was something i did two years ago now and um it's it's kind of, it's like a, you know, I did a few compositions. I did some prepared piano things that are pretty elaborate um, in terms of co- the composition side of things. And then other things that are just kind of sketches that I improvised off of. So that's, that's, cool. <laughs> that's coming out. Yeah. <laughs> Why were you studying classical composition? Um, I think I just, I couldn't really imagine going and studying jazz after I had, you know, kind of been working as a jazz musician. And, okay. Um just you know studying how to play over standards and things like that it just seemed i mean i'm sure i'm sure it would be great but i just wanted to check out something a little different um and i felt like you know i've i always well i I practice a lot of classical music and listen to a lot of classical music so i kind of wanted to try and see you know what that was like to not write for any improvisation at all or very little improvisation yeah which you know that was kind of what i thought coming into it and then as i started to study a lot of a lot of um the teachers kind of directed me into including improvisation in the in the uh, composition. So, well, particularly in the modern classical world, there's such a exactly. blurring of the lines between what's being written in the jazz world these days and what's being written in modern classical these days. It's, exactly, the genre yeah. has almost gone away at this point. Yeah, it's just I think it's a gray area. It's hard to know if if classical musicians feel comfortable doing that. I'm sure a lot of classical musicians do feel comfortable, and I'm sure a lot don't. So, you know, I, I'm not sure. I actually didn't play any of the pieces with any classical musicians. I've mostly done it with with you know jazz musicians okay. who who could do both. So, so were there things that you discovered during the classical studies that that surprised you or that you didn't yeah, expect? Yeah, the um, the improvisational aspect of including that in the compositions that was that was something that you know I was surprised that people were really open to. Did, did it feel like exercising different muscles in a way or something? Was there some piece of it that was... Or did it just seem like a natural extension of what you'd already... Yeah, it was funny. It seemed like a natural extension of what, <laughs> I've already, what I was already doing. So um, in that way, it felt very comfortable. I think the, the, the maybe the harder parts were, were the actual like classes, the analysis classes, the Shankarian analysis and you know post-tonal theory. But those were actually the most interesting in a way because they were something I'd never really checked out before. Sure. So. Yeah, it seems like that, I mean, this comes up on this show again and again and again, but it seems like that really speaks to this kind of era we're in, where people are writing music that just draws on everything these days, and these labels, I mean, the show is called The Jazz Session, just so you can find it in Google, I guess. Right. But other than that, a lot of the music that we talk about on the show doesn't really easily fit into any, you know, kind of conventional genre right, box definitely. anymore. Yeah. <laughs> which seems great. It seems like an exciting time to be making music. And- yeah. The, the funny thing about that is... You know, when I asked um, some of the people I was studying with at City College, they were, you know, I asked them if they knew some of the the jazz musicians that were writing maybe more like contemporary classical combinations with improvisation, and they really didn't know any of any of the people that I mentioned. You mm-hmm. know, and then when he mentioned people 
but I, he thought maybe I would know, you know, it, the, the worlds are still really seem really separated. Yeah. Despite the music not being, but the exactly, the yeah, the music. There's yeah, there's thing, right? there's many common things about the music, and it's just it's interesting to me that that still the worlds seem really separated. Is there an opportunity? Do you think in in this city or elsewhere to for people from those kind of two disciplines to to perform together or to come together to? Yeah, I think they do perform together. Um, I just yeah, I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> um, I think maybe it's hard to know, like, the awareness of pe that classical musicians have of jazz musicians. I think, uh, I know, like, Mark Elias and Jacob Sachs and Harris Eisenstadt, they just composed for the, um, is it the American, I can't remember what it is, the, anyway, they com then composed a, a piece for our symphony, so. Okay. Um, and it was just, like, really interesting, the different, you know, the music that they wrote, how different it was from the classical musicians sure. and, and how like people just didn't seem to really like know the two different worlds. So are there, uh, have there been besides, I guess the, the networking thing, have there been benefits to being in New York as a composer and performer that you think you wouldn't have gotten elsewhere? Uh, yeah, definitely. I think, you know, sometimes I think like, well, we were just talking about hiking before right. and how, you know, it would be great to live somewhere where there's lots of green, you know, and space and everything. Yeah. And, um, I just think that, you know, being here, there's just so many musicians and there's always people coming in that, you know, you can never, you're just always, you're constantly inspired. So I think if I, if I did live out, you know, on a farm somewhere, which would, you know, be a dream, but I don't think I'd have the same opportunities and I don't think I'd be able to, to feed my creative soul as mm. much as being here. So that's such a nice way to put it. You put a positive spin on that. Many people say in that moment, in that moment, I'm just going to knock all my stuff off. And <laughs> apparently I would just say on the, uh, on the tape that right before I came here, I was almost killed and I don't think I've quite recovered. My hands are still shaking. So, um, I almost killed on a bike. I wasn't almost murdered. I just put that, it wasn't like a gangland hit or something that they're going after jazz hosts. Although there'd be a pretty long line, I think. Uh, but in any case, um, Many people say that you can't ever rest because there's always someone coming up behind you, you know, who's so great. Right. But I, the way you said it makes it sound like a positive thing. Rather than like you're always being chased, so don't look over your shoulder, you seem to, you're suggesting that it just feeds your desire to want to explore and create. Yeah, definitely. I mean, it, it, it gets stressful as well. It's, <laughs> sure. You know, it's constant. I mean, you can, sometimes I feel overloaded just checking out so much music and having that constant interaction with people and um but i think it's just important to to make sure you balance that you know and, and i think it is possible by you know making sure you you have a break and take yeah. care of you know take care of your need to be in nature and right. so, on. <laughs> so um yeah um you mentioned the uh the solo record that's coming out uh, have you done a lot of live solo performance or do you plan to um, I did one solo show at the con at uh sorry at the Stone uh two years ago, and then I did a tour in Portugal of the solo music that, oh, okay. that I recorded, and then I recorded it over there. So and will we get a chance to hear some uh, uh, here stateside? <laughs> well, the the record for sure. Yes. <laughs> um, yeah, I I would like to explore that more. I think it was it was an interesting experience. I felt it was very solitary. You know. Yeah. Uh. I was by myself and, and, uh, 
there's something very cool about that, just going through the process of developing your music by yourself. Um, at other times, it can be really lonely, and, you know, especially when you're in a different place, you can kind of feel a little, a little lost. So um, I really like the process, and um, I think maybe I'd like to do something a little different next time, maybe just completely improvise set and see what happens with that. Um, so we'll see, see what happens. Yeah. That might be, that might be something I do in the next year. Cool. I'll try that again. Yeah. I was reading a piece with, uh, an interview with Cooper Moore, I think done by Kurt Gottschalk and Cooper Moore had done this solo tour of the U S where he like mostly took buses and trains and he brought, you know, a bag of all his right, homemade stuff interview with him. Too, right? yeah. Yeah. <laughs> and so he would show up wherever he was and do his thing. But he said in the interview that he realized that that wasn't, that wasn't his preferred way to play that he preferred the give and take of having other people with him right on yeah. the stage yeah i feel exactly the same way yeah <laughs> you said uh like as a throwaway line but i love musicians throwaway lines like this you said yeah and then i did a solo piano tour in portugal like all right so how does one end up doing a solo piano tour <laughs> in portugal well i i do a lot of um recording for clean feed right and um they actually you know they they kind of suggested the solo record and um and then they actually set up the tour, so that and was, they're based there, right? They're Is based in the, Portugal, okay. yeah, exactly. Cool. So it makes more sense, all right? Yeah, <laughs> less than just a random solo tour of Latvia. Just yeah. yeah, it seemed yeah. like a good idea at the time. <laughs> Were there other uh, uh, groups that you're playing in, or things that you wanted to mention uh, that I stopped you from doing? When um, you're about I think. Uh, well, in September, I'm, I'm going to do a trio concert with Tony Malby and Paul Motion. So, oh wow, I'm really excited about that. That's going to be at Cornelia Street, and I've never played with Paul, so. Um, yeah, I'm interested, interested to just see what that feels like yeah. and how that works. So, but, And what music will you be playing? Do you know? Um, I'm not sure. Probably some new compositions, a few things from, from the trio with Tyshawn and Ingrid and from um, the Good Citizen record yeah. with, with Tom and John. So, um, But yeah, I mean, Tony and I obviously, again, have been playing together for a long time, so I feel really comfortable um, doing something with him and, and adding Paul to the mix. I think it'll be... I think it'll be really fun. That's so great. I'm excited about that. What is it about someone like Tony? We can use Tony as, as a specific example that mm -hmm. makes him a, a good fit. What makes you feel musically comfortable with him? Um, well, I think I, you know, I, I know his playing really well and he knows my playing really well. So, um, and he's also played with Paul a lot too. So he also has, you know, a musical connection with him as well. Yeah. And I just, I feel that those sorts of things are really important and they, they just bring something to the music that, you know, if you put something together for the first time, you know, we've also talked about that with, with Matt and, you know, England right. and Tom and, and Thomas. I mean, those, those situations are really great too. Um, I just, it really means a lot to me when we have this sort of musical connection and understanding. So I like to follow through with those things. And yeah. yeah. But before you knew each other, well, was there, when you first played with Tony, for example, was there a moment in that first playing or the second time you were together where you realized, like, this is a this is more of a connection than just someone I enjoy playing with? Like we, there's something here that we should build on. Um, you know, it was such a long time ago, and I was, I really feel like I was more, I mean, you're always a student in your life, but I was really a student, and, and I just really, he was really helpful in directing me in some ways, and so I can't even really comment on that. It's, right. It's just like... He helped me to understand and develop things, you know, when I was a really young person sure. checking out this music and trying to understand. So it wasn't so. like discovering that relationship with one of your peers. No, it it's not like now when sometimes thing. that happens. Yeah, right. it's different. Yeah. yeah. 
my guest is Chris Davis, and one of her CDs, which is now on the floor lying at my feet, is Good Citizen, uh, which is on Fresh Sound New Talent, and the other is Paradoxical Frog, and there's a solo record coming out, and there'll be another uh, Paradoxical Frog band record coming out. And it's, man, it's such a pleasure. I'm so glad I discovered you. It's one of the beautiful things about New York is there's a million people I've never heard either, and it's really great to hear your music and to talk to you. Thanks a well, lot. Thanks. For thanks a lot. Yeah. Thanks. That's music from pianist Chris Davis. She has uh, two recent albums, one called Paradoxical Frog and another called Good Citizen, and I highly recommend that you check those out. I'm Jason Crane. This is The Jazz Session, presented by AllAboutJazz.com, the web's leading source for jazz news, reviews, MP3 downloads, and more. The show is sponsored by Matt Rock, our first official sponsor. August 11th, that's the 300th show, and we need 100 members by that date, which means 41 more. I have 59 right now. I need 41 more to make uh, that cutoff. If we get it to 100, the show will continue, and if we don't, it won't. It's as simple as that, but I hope it will, and you can make that a reality by becoming a member for as little as $10 a month or $110 a year at thejazzsession.com. Thanks to the Respect Sextet for the theme music to this show, as happens so often these days. I forgot to thank them at the beginning. When I first started doing the jazz session, I used to have a script that I read from at the beginning, so I would remember to do everything. And after a while, I thought it sounded a little bit stilted, and I didn't really feel like reading it, not to mention the fact that I had you know, memorized everything by that point. I said the same things at the beginning of every show, you know, at least at the very beginning. And so I got away from the script, and I've been away from the script for three of the four and a half years at this point. 
But every once in a while, like when for the 20th show in a row I've forgotten to thank half the people at the beginning of the show, I think to myself, you know, perhaps a few notes wouldn't be the worst thing in the world. So anyway, thanks to the Respect Sextet. They're online at respectsextet.com. Thanks also to Dave Rabel, who designed the show's logo, and he is online at twitter.com slash Dave Vrabel, V-R-A-B-E-L. Now, get out there, if you would, and support live jazz whenever and wherever you can, and come back next time for another conversation about jazz on The Jazz Session. Bye. Bye. Bye.